We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. I am so happy to be here today with my guest, Tony Collier. Hi, Tony. Hey, girl. (laughs) I'm so excited. Oh, me too. I'm so happy to have you here. Tony and I have been able to kind of like keep up with one another via social media. And now we have the opportunity to have a conversation. And I am so proud of you. I was just telling Tony, I'm so proud of you for just all that you have been pursuing and the truth that you speak. You can find her teaching. She's like traveling to teach now. But everything that you share is bold, which I just admire and respect so much, but also filled with so much grace and compassion. And today we're going to talk about faith and feelings. So share a little bit about yourself with my audience, if you don't mind, and why this topic is near and dear to your heart. Uh, Man. Okay. So let me just start here. I was born in Houston, Texas. That's the best and most important thing about me because Texas, there's a lot of pride there. We've made some mistakes, but we're fine. (laughs) Love Texas very much. Uh, But I live in Atlanta now with my husband, Sam Collier. That's Bay and our cutie little, I I love him so much. Our cutie little, uh, we call her a seven-year-old strong-willed blessing because she a little crazy. Okay. We're a blended family. I have been married before with Dylan's dad and got a divorce, really toxic situation. And there's so much just like trauma in my past. I'm not going to take you guys through like little Tony, but I I have what my counselors called parentified child syndrome, where you kind of like miss the mark of like your parenting when you're a child and you kind of parent your parents. And so my mom was really sick growing up, had to take care of her. My dad was really verbally abusive. Ended up growing up way too quickly, lost my virginity at 13, started going to the club, popping, twerking, smoking, drinking, all the things. <laughs> was twerking a thing back then, Tony? What is that? Was twerking a thing back then? Oh, it 100% was a thing, sis. <laughs> let me just tell you. I, I first learned about it in the past three years. Oh, yeah, girl. <laughs> Surprise, girl. It is real. Um, but so much. I mean, just so many things, drugs, alcohol, all the things, and ended up getting into an abusive marriage, going to an abusive church. I mean, so much abuse is in my story and so much trauma, but God just redeemed me. I got saved at 21, so I'm fresh up off the salvation bandwagon, okay? 
And, but I love it. I, I love that this is in my story. I love that I get to speak boldly because like, I know what it's like to be absolutely broken. I know what it's like to walk through counseling and trauma treatment and betrayal trauma group and sleep training. Like I, I know what it feels like to battle through anxiety, chronic insecurity and all the things. And I think that's what makes me so bold about it. Cause there's just no shame here, sis. I've been through it all. Like it don't matter. We out here, you know? And so I love to talk about that and travel and have a women's ministry that I get to just, I don't know, encourage other women that, sis, come on. If he can use my little crazy ratchet behind, <laughs> he absolutely can use you too. And so it's been beautiful. God's been so faithful. Oh, amen. I love that. I don't know if you know much about my story, Tony. I I do not compare in any way to a lot of the things that you've walked through. And so I just commend you first and foremost for coming out and speaking vulnerably and being open about the trauma and the pain so that there can be freedom brought in the lives of other women. But I can relate to losing my virginity at 14 and walking through just promiscuity and just deep reliance upon men to validate me and to make me feel like I had any sort of worth. And and so I always just, I don't know, it means a lot to me to walk through this with other women to know like, hey, we have this connection that Jesus allowed and, and brought forth in spite of had we met at that time, we would both be like hot mess express, you know? And it was, yeah. girl, come on, girl, how short can we get these shorts, girl? Let's do it. Yes. Oh, very much so. Yep. That was my life. So, but I'm just, I'm thankful. And I want to ask you actually, and this was not in my questions, but as you share about your divorce and being remarried, I recently spoke with somebody and she's so sweet, but she felt this sense of shame even talking about it. Like that she, she's like, I know good Christians are, you know, good Christians. Nobody's a good Christian, but that Christians aren't supposed to to do that. And, and for me, I'm like, no, I mean, there's redemption in all things and restoration. And sometimes in abusive situations, of course that calls for that, but also sometimes life just happens and sin happens and it becomes a mess. So how do you work through that? Like, do you have any sense of shame when, not saying that you should, but when you speak through that? And if so, how have you worked through that? Yeah, that's so good. It's interesting. I, I want to say I don't, but I don't also don't want to sound perfect. And I don't want like me to go to my counseling session tomorrow and it just like pops up and I'm like, oh, I lied. Um, you know, like you start getting triggered and you're like, dang it, I do have shame. But I, I honestly think that I have done so much worse, like in my day. I think that I have been so wild and crazy. I almost sold drugs in college. Like I was almost an actual drug dealer, which gosh, I wish that was a part of my story kind of sort of because it would have been a cool thing to be redeemed from. <laughs> but I really don't carry shame because I, I really do think that I have this very naive, kind of like I can jump off a building, God will catch me type faith. It's very like childlike. It's filled with awe and wonder, you know? And let me just tell you, man, my seven-year-old barely got no shame, okay? She's just now getting embarrassed, right? Like, sis don't even care. It's like, sis, you just licked somebody's elbow. Don't even care at all. Just don't even care. And I think I, I view God and faith in that way. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Shame, like that's a human trait. We are guilty and we can accept guilt all day long because we're sinners, but I don't have to hide from it because I have a redeeming heavenly father and we're in the four nows of heaven. Like, I don't care what y'all think. I am going to heaven, okay? I'm trying to see what we sit with my father, okay? And have just a glorious time with him. And so I think 
If I were to put into words, I, I guess what I practice is, is really a heavenly like mindset. Like we are really here temporarily. And it's almost like when you look back at high school, you know, and you cared so much about what everybody thought. And then I literally can't even name anybody from high school right now, you know? And I think I feel that same way about earth and platform and I don't know, image. I'm just like, I ain't gonna remember y'all names. Heck, y'all may be butterflies. I'm probably not even gonna see y'all in heaven. Okay. Oh my God. So I think I just try to carry that and... And yeah, but I know it's real and it's hard. And, and I have spoke with so many women who battle through the shame of divorce and rightfully so too, like not made up, but like actually be put to shame church leaders, people saying that. And I'm just like, man, they're going to probably be butterfly. They probably be centipedes in uh, heaven and you're going to be a butterfly. So, <laughs> Oh, I adore you. Yeah, no. And I, I think about that often heaven and looking back down at my life and the things that I cared about and placed such a heavy responsibility upon myself with, or I placed such value in that didn't actually carry any weight, heavenly, eternal weight whatsoever. And I know you're in this realm as well with social media and stuff. And I have to constantly go back and look at what I'm doing and think, does this actually serve eternal purpose? Am I doing this? And not in a cliche way, but truly, like, am I just serving myself? Because it's really easy to do that. And it's really easy to self-promote and and to have this sense of confidence in what we're doing that actually has nothing to do with God. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit and that very intense, deep conviction, especially within the past few years, to not waste words, to not waste the time that we have to minister and to share, but also to share openly and vulnerably in order to bring freedom to those women who do feel that shame and guilt. But I do think, I think about that. I'm like, when I go to heaven and I think about my worst day here on earth, like the worst, most shameful, horrible, embarrassing, whatever day that is, it's going to be like, I dropped my hat on the floor. You know, like it's going to be so minuscule. I don't know what else to compare it to, but so minuscule in comparison to what heaven offers. And so, I don't know. That's a really great way of thinking about it. Like these people, I don't even know if I'm going to know you. So we're good. (laughs) But I'll love you anyway. But speaking of the church and speaking of how they handle shame and how they handle Mm -hmm. sin, um, and they, I don't like to generalize. I know that we are all part of the body and there are different approaches, but in historical times, there has been a lot of shame that's pressed down upon people. And I want to talk about feelings. How have you seen, maybe in your own experience or just in your time teaching, that the way that the church handles feelings, do you feel like they're dismissive in the sense, and what I mean by that is, you have anxiety, you need to pray about it. Like you're not trusting Jesus enough. You have depression, you're doing something wrong. You're not reading your Bible enough or going to church enough. What is your experience with that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I have been through, man, I have been in four different like Christian expression expressions of church, which is crazy. I grew up Catholic. I transitioned to like a kind of Pentecostal, black, charismatic church. Then I was at North Point, which is not that. It's like the Christian Gap, which is amazing. <laughs> all amazing. Okay. All amazing, okay? And now my husband and I are with Hillsong, and my husband's planted a Hillsong church. And it's kind of the middle. You know, it's got like the charismatic feel. And then it's also got the structure and the lights and all the things. And here's what's been really, really cool to witness. 
I think at the end of the day, historically, the church has separated faith and feelings. It just is what it is. It was a masterful, a masterful scheme of the enemy. Like if that sucker wanted to take us out, he would say, listen, the church really should only be filled with holy people. Like this is what the enemy has planted in the historical church. It's just about holiness. And then you got pastors, leaders, apologists, bishops that are holy, but not whole and not healthy and not stable. And they know every Bible scripture and we have seen them suckers fall hard, ruin their families, prostitution, pornography, alcoholism, all the things. Because the enemy isolated, literally strategically isolated our faith from our feelings. And it was this idea that if you believe enough in the heavenly father, that is the creator of the universe, you're going to be straight. And that is what has happened historically. It, it just is what it is. What's beautiful, however, is that society has taken agency and ownership. And I, this is what I did in my healing journey took agency and ownership in my own personal relationship with God. So we started to kind of find this like this curve from religion to relationship. And I think in the process of all of us finding personal agency in our relationship with God, we realized that no, 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 actually Psalm 34, 18, God is close to the brokenhearted and he revives those that are crushed in the spirit. And when you yourself go and read that and not try to sit in a pew or an aisle and try to have the pastor interpret it for you, what you realize and what you feel is that God really is close in all your brokenness. And not only does he do that, but by the power of the spirit, he revives you and your faith and your belief. And that's Old Testament. <laughs> Look, yeah. we should have really known that thousands of years ago. Okay. I mean, this is Old Testament. This is David. I mean, David talks about literally weeping until his bed flooded and crying on the sofa. Like he literally talked and wrote about feelings. And this is Old Testament stuff before Jesus even came. We should have known it, but I think it has taken really courageous and brave people, like even Brene Brown, to say, mm-mm. Actually, your brain is wired to experience joy and pain through the same wavelengths. And so if you proclaim the joy of the Lord, then you also have to accept the pain of humanity. So surprise, y'all. He is in both. And it's been beautiful. Like you've seen churches talk about mental health series and faith and mental wellness. My friend Brittany Moses, who's so great at talking about these topics, it's a revolution. Like, it's exciting. And that's where we are now. And I just feel sorry for the poor churches that's like, mm-mm, we're going to stay under the stronghold of the enemy and try to separate faith and feelings. Because it's just, we've seen the end of that. And now we don't want to go back and do that. So I'm excited. It's been great. A lie that you may believe far too often, especially as a woman, is that you have to choose between your family and your dreams. But the Proverbs 31 woman defies that stereotype. She was both a mother and a businesswoman. She worked hard for her family and used the giftings that God had given her to provide for her home. She had both ambition and faith, and she was honored. Friends, if you have a gift, use it to make God's name known. Share your story, share your passions, share your life. I have spent the past five years relentlessly studying and implementing all things marketing, blogging, entrepreneurship, small business, and podcasting, while also being a stay-at-home mama of two boys. 
Now with over 6 million blog readers, over 600,000 total podcast downloads, and tens of thousands of social media followers, I'm able to make an income for my family. I feel so passionate about this business and helping others to pursue those dreams. And I want to share everything I've learned with you, whether you're a mom of five or a college student. Do you want to be a travel blogger? Would you love to share your voice and launch a podcast? I can help you. I'm so excited to be offering one-on-one personalized business coaching for anyone with a dream to share their story, create a ministry, or build a platform. During our two and a half hour coaching session, I'll customize everything specifically for you by looking over your website and social media to give honest and helpful feedback that will help you grow. I'll teach you how to use Pinterest to make money even if you don't have any followers, because if you're not using it yet, you're really missing out. And we'll talk all things Instagram, Facebook, branding, monetization, all in simple to understand terms. I will provide you with two free customizable media kits, a list of my 20 influencer websites that you can join right away to start collaborating with small and large brands, exclusive group board invites on Pinterest and Facebook group invites to help get more eyes on your business right away. I always say she didn't do it better. She just did it. What is that one thing that you have always wanted to do, but you've never done? You will never succeed if you don't ever try, but you have a great chance at succeeding if you at least try. You don't ever want to live in regret. So if you are interested in this personalized coaching, just email livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in this coaching and hearing about how I can help you specifically, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for sharing all of that. I fully, I agree with you in the sense that I feel like, I agree with you fully, but I've come to a place in the past couple of years where I've really seen a transition in my understanding of this as well. Um, I did an episode with my sister dealing, navigating depression as a Christian or dealing with depression as a Christian. And she's so open about, you know, like, I love Jesus and I take a pink pill. And it was just like revolutionary to some people who listened because they had never been told that. And it's been, though I beat people over the head with a Bible when I was first saved and didn't know the difference between, you know, fire and passion versus like brimstone and fire, that I pushed people away and I did not reveal to them the love of Jesus by any means. And now as I look into I look back at that, but then I look into what I what I see in the way of Jesus and the life of Jesus and how he dealt with people. I am baffled at how little I recognized his, I don't know, this is a strong word, but like disdain for the Pharisees and how they treated. And the amount of times he said, I came not for the well, but for the sick. And I'm sitting with sinners because that is why I am here. And not comparing sinners to people who struggle with mental health, but it's like, it's that prideful perspective. It's that pharisaical view of holier than thou. I'm called to be holy, but only by the grace of God and only through his strength and my weakness and proclaiming that weakness boldly. But I have to come to a place where I say, I don't have it all together, but nothing makes me more holy. Nothing makes me more closer to Jesus or having it all together than someone who struggles with 
this, this, or that. And I really came to terms with it when I had postpartum anxiety. And now I struggle with debilitating anxiety sometimes. And it's humbling and it creates an empathy in your heart (laughs) to say, okay, I have it. But it's that understanding and, and just watching the life of Jesus that has really impacted the way that I interact with people and hear their emotions and hear the trauma and how they are navigating and coping and all that. And so I just, I respect you speaking about this and I'm curious how you have been impacted by this and by Jesus life and what that has meant to you, especially leading ministry. Yeah. I can remember the moment when I said, man, I really wanted to do ministry. It sucks that it's all going to be taken away. And That was the moment that I had decided that I needed to get me and my daughter out of this toxic marriage and get a divorce. And it was also the moment when I realized I was at a really toxic church with toxic leadership, specifically in the pastor. Great church, great mission, just, I mean, bad leadership. And I said, oh, dang, I'm going to have to find something else. Like, hmm, what should I do? Like, it's over. I'm too broken. I've had too much in my past. Nobody is going to want to hire me, put me on their stage, a public platform. It just is what it is. And I think that was the moment where I I was impacted by my brokenness more than I ever had. Not because it was just this new thing in my life. No, no, no. I've been going through brokenness since I was eight. I mean, I lost my virginity at 13. Again, popping, twerking, smoking, drinking, all the things. But I think it was the first time that it was super public and I was saved. And in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, Christians can't do all this. So I just need to transition out. It's all good. And I even started working with Girl Scouts Corporate, a nonprofit, because I wanted to do something good with my life. But I just didn't think that there would be a church, there would be a leader, there would be a pastor that allowed me, honestly, to be on stage. And I remember I was writing one of my, what I thought was one of my last sermons for a middle school that I had to go preach at for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's like FCA, that's like the sports Christian stuff in school. And I was one of their speakers and I was like, oh, it's probably going to be the last time I ever speak. And I'm writing this message and I hear the Lord impress on my heart, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It's just Paul writing to the Corinth church because they've been going crazy about pride and boastfulness. And he's saying, hey, let's not forget the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient and my my power is made perfect in weakness. It was the second part of the scripture, though, that just flipped the lid for me. And it was Paul saying, therefore, I'm actually going to boast about my weakness, about my brokenness in order that so that Christ's power will rest on me. And there was just something about that scripture that changed my life. I just was like, oh, freak. If you boast about the <laughs> if you boast about the very things that make you weak, even more Christ's power will rest on you. And I was like, for I real? Like, crazy. <laughs> I like this crazy. And lo and behold, man, I went to one meeting and my whole life changed forever at North Point Community Church. And they knew, and I was like, I'm divorced. And they were like, yeah, we'd love for you to come. I was like, and I got a kid. So I'm a single mom. I'm like, are you sure? But Andy Stanley, Sandra Stanley, the founders of that church, they knew grace. They just knew grace. They knew what it was. And it changed my life forever and ever and ever. But it took 
yeah, it took belief and it took a personal relationship with God, finding a scripture that radically changed my life and my mind. And it's been a, a freaking climb ever since. Okay. I, that was not a cutie little bow on the story. I had to go to some very intense counseling. I had to rewire my brain and the perception of God that I had been indoctrinated with that was not true or real. And it was just for personal gain. And so it took a while, <laughs> but I'm so glad for it though. Dang. Like I just would not. I, I couldn't see the contrast of light without all that darkness, you know? Yeah. So amen. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I I feel as if even with your story, you see this sense of this transition from being squashed. It's like that's the only way I can describe it. It's like you're squashed because of who, because of what you've experienced in your circumstances. And though you're trying to rise above it and you're trying to seek Jesus and allow that restoration, there are these people that are saying, sorry, I'm not going to give you that opportunity. And I like that you said like for personal gain, that it's it is not for the glory of God. That is not honoring to him. And and there's a place in my heart where that verse that you quoted is so important to me as well, because I feel like it gives me the freedom and just in day-to-day practical life to walk away from a situation where I said something stupid or I said something rude or I acted in a prideful way or whatever it might be that I can walk away and say, okay, I can fight tooth and nail to pretend this didn't happen. I can battle it in my head and justify it because this person did this or said this. Or I can admit I'm a total mess and that I am completely weak and depraved and that Jesus still Mm -hmm. is a gracious and good God to a point where I can just admit, hey, I totally failed you that day. And I totally said this rude. And I'm so sorry, not because of who I am, but because that conviction leads to a sense of obedience and saying, you know what, God, this is worth more. My heart before you is worth more than my heart before these people and the opinions that they have of, of me or my failure. But I can step away saying, no, I am going to admit and and almost <laughs> relish in this weakness because your grace brings me freedom. And it's that gospel of grace, living that out within my home and with my boys and just saying, I totally failed you. I yelled at you guys today because this wasn't in perfect order and my peace needs to come from Jesus and not from these things. I actually had a conversation with Ruth Joe Simons about this and it really resonated with I me as well. Ruth. Yeah, she's so sweet. She was actually in Franklin. I'm in Franklin. But when we talked, she had just been in Franklin like shortly before. But yeah, but it just, it allows us, it's like, gosh, why do we keep striving to to live this emotionally secure, we've got it all together life when people all, we all know everyone craves authenticity at this point. And so I want to ask you because God created us with these emotions. He created us with love and care and sadness and compassion and anger. We are given these emotions, but oftentimes we're taught to move past them, to pretend they don't exist and just trust God. So how do we create balance or harmony between the two? Because I think it's important to know that that our feelings also shouldn't dictate the way that we behave and act, especially if it's anti-gospel or anti-truth. Yeah, that's so good. 
There's a scripture I'm thinking of right now and a quote by my resources director. Um, It's Psalm 27. I've been in the Psalms recently and it's been so interesting because I'm like, Lord, I want to read a different scripture. And I'm like, Lord, what would you have for me today? He's like, going back to the Psalms. I'm like, okay, great. But it's been so life-giving for me. And there's a scripture that David's writing and it's, it's Psalm 27. And he's talking about a really, really hard time. Like that's like verses one through four. He's like, the wars rage, rage against me. All this stuff is happening. It's just so bad. And he's just really being honest, right? He's being vulnerable and authentic and transparent as he writes to God. And then he asks for something that, honestly, if I was being like ravaged and the wars are coming against me and people were coming against me, I'd be like, Lord, if you could give me like a samurai sword or something like that. You know, like all the things we think, like defeat my enemy or have me prevail. I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I'm like, I want to win against this. Come on. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I want to win the war. And David could ask for those things. He's asked for victory before, but he he actually asks for something else. And in Psalm uh, 27, 4, David says, the one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And I think that's such a beautiful depiction of I've got mess and I've got pain and I'm nervous and I'm scared and this is crazy. And God, the one thing I want to do in the midst of all this chaos is just to dwell with you and gaze at you. Mm -hmm. David essentially is teaching us that we can have the entire world fall all around us. But if we, instead of coming up with a new strategy, (laughs) praying against our enemies that they be demolished, you know, trying to fight our own battles and defeat everything ourselves, try to be perfect, that instead, if we just lock our gaze on a heavenly father, everything will be okay. That if we just get filled up by the one who gazes back at us intently. And a gaze is weird, okay? It's not like a little stare. You know, you can like quick glance at somebody. A gaze is weird. Try to gaze at somebody for five minutes. I dare you and your husband who try to gaze at each other for five minutes. You start crying. It gets weird. You start laughing at first. It is weird. But it's because you're, you're locking eyes with somebody and you're seeing them. No distractions, intently focused, and you see them through and through and through. It's a very vulnerable thing. And that's what David wants to do with God. He wants to be vulnerable and close and dwell with him. And I think the encouragement to us today is that if we can carry everything that is hurting us and the hope of Jesus together, oh man, it's a beautiful balance. Our resources director, Jenna, says hurt and hope can coexist and they should coexist. They should not be isolated because we have seen the people that is just all up in the hurt vein and they're on social media going off on everybody talking about their pain and hurt from an unhealed place. We have seen them crazy people, okay? <laughs> We've probably also been them. And he got broken <laughs> up with you on Facebook. Remember when Facebook was like, I'm feeling this way, you know? It's like depressed. Like <laughs> so depressed. Seems like nobody cares about, it. we've seen it, okay? And it's, it's not that, it's the ability to hold them both, to have a balance of both and to be honest and to be whole and healed and on healing journeys. And so that's what I think. Amen. Amen. What would you say, and I'll ask this in closing, what would you say to the person who feels like they just feel too much? 
I remember being in college and feeling like, man, I just feel too much. And some people close to me be like, yeah, you got to tone it down. (laughs) But as I've grown, I'm like, I feel like this is kind of what God has given me to create the sense of empathy within me that may not have existed before I felt so much because I didn't feel like I feel now before I knew Jesus. I was hardened and not that I don't still struggle with that, but now I have moments where I carry the weight of others and have to lift it back up to the Lord. Otherwise, it will just make me feel like I have a thousand pounds on my shoulders. So with somebody who feels like, man, I just can't separate myself from these emotions. And sometimes I want to, and sometimes I want to relish in them. What would be your word to them? Okay. So first and foremost, this is not my word. This is Ann Voskamp's word. My great friend, Ann Voskamp, she, she says all the time, like, she's like, I am feelings. Like I, she's like, I cannot, like, she's just like, I am feelings. I just emote. And that is who I am. It's honestly refreshing to someone like me who was told growing up, "Uh -uh -uh, that's an excuse numb that, push that. It's refreshing to a person like me who at 25 years old had to go and get the freaking emotion wheel and identify what mad, sad, glad, happy was. Cause every time somebody asked me how I felt, I was like, Great! like there was no other, I don't, I didn't know how to name those things. It's very refreshing to know that we as humans can weep like Jesus wept and be angry and flip tables like he was, which we should not flip tables guys. And to burst with love and tear and compassion for us. It's refreshing to know that we can be that. And I think this goes into the comparison trap. This is what I love so much about Anne. I'm like super hard, Tony. I'm the girl sitting there that's got it all together that hadn't even cried at all. And Anne's like, I just want to stop crying. I love that God made us uniquely different like that. Because in a season where I did not have a lot of nurturing and I was longing for nurturing, Anne was able to give that to me because she had a surplus of it. Who we are and the way that God's uniquely designed us with his presence in mind. I love that you said, I wasn't this way before. Then I started walking with Jesus and I was like, whoa. <laughs> what I happened? I know. But what happens is the more we journey towards Jesus, the more we journey towards our true authentic self and the way we can start feeling all the feels and we get closer to God because we can start expressing things to him. And then we get closer to our friends because we can be what they need in their times of sorrow and depravity. And I just, to that girl, I'm like, listen, bask in the way that God made you because sometimes it's not even just for you. Sometimes it's to be poured out. Sometimes that compassion is needed to be seen because Lord, our world is freaking deprived of compassion for each other. And we need the people like you who are like, I got enough. I got more than enough for all of us, you know, (laughs) pour out of that, that beautiful, compassionate place. Gosh, that's so Jesus. He literally needs for his friends. Yes. I love that you said it's not just for you sometimes because I, I, we get so caught up off. I, I, let me speak to myself. I get so caught up sometimes in, in how I'm feeling and what I'm carrying and realize often, okay, you just need to go and be with somebody. You need to go and either be and pour out all of that good emotion and the excitement and the joy and offer that to them or in the sadness, like allow them to see your vulnerability because that's where real relationships are built. Not pouring myself out in my sadness, like you said on Facebook and just 
unloading on them, but coming to a place and saying, hey, I trust you and I love you, but also I'm hurting and I just need a friend and allowing them to come into that with me where, like you said, they may have gifts of compassion or they may just have a gift of listening, which so often we need all of it. It's so good. I love you, Tony. I think you're so special and so sweet. (laughs) I am so thankful. Your worship is so great. I like, okay, what else? I'm just kidding. <laughs> know, I'll just come to your house and be your hype crew every no day. Life. It's so <laughs> oh, well, let me know and let our audience know how we can support you, what resources you have going on and where they can find you on all platforms. Yeah, I am just all things Broken Crayons. My women's ministry, Broken Crayons, still color. We have a cutie little Instagram. It's B-R-K-N Crayons because we're trying to be cool like the Gen Zers. Broken Crayons. And we actually just released a brand new devotional called Overcomer. And it's all around defeating anxiety and abuse. And it's just been so flipping cool to hear the testimonies of women literally say, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is a devotional that's rooted in scripture talking about anxiety and abuse. And I'm like, surprise girl, it's a new freaking day, okay? It is a new day and we wanna keep producing stuff like that. So we haven't told actually anyone else this, but I'm gonna say it because I can't hold a surprise, but that devotional is a part of a series. And so we, we're writing right now the one on depression. And yeah. That is awesome. So excited. So we're super really excited. I'll link everything in show notes and y'all go follow Tony and Broken Crayons and all that you're doing. We're so excited for you. I'm so happy for you and just thankful to know you and your heart and just truly the, I, I want to tell everyone, go follow Tony. I don't say this a lot on my stuff, though I want you to follow all my guests, but I truly just, I glean so much when you share and when you open up. And so I'm just very honored to have you on my show and I'm excited for all your travels and we will talk to you guys next Monday. Thanks for being here again. As always, if you enjoy the conversation, follow along with me at living easy with Lindsay and Tony at Tony Collier and tag us. Let us know what you gleaned from this conversation and how it helped you or encouraged you or share with a friend or family member who may need a little reminder that it is okay to experience a emotions and then it is a gift given by God to live in those. So we love y'all and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.